prehistoric ages in the days of ancient Greece, right down through the Middle Ages, planet Earth kept going through changes and then no renaissance came and times continued to change. Nothing stayed the same. But there were always renegades. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands and we are taking control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. Now, in C.S. Lewis's uh, series of books, uh, The Narnia Chronicles... Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, okay. I'm interested to see where this goes. Yeah. Well, you might remember the story of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where they enter the wardrobe. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down. (laughs) (laughs) All three? All three? So there's a lion. Yeah, I'm I'm with you with the Lion and the Witch, but who's heard of the third thing? (laughs) The wardrobe. Well, It's it's, it's, it's it's like a a war version of a drobe? Like the drobes we know and love? Precisely. Okay, go on. (laughs) Yeah. So you enter the wardrobe, right? And it takes you into the land of Narnia, this Mm -hmm. magical wardrobe. Mm -hmm. When you come out of the wardrobe, no time has passed in the quote-unquote real world. In in a lot of ways, I feel like that's the same with with podcasts. You enter the podcast listening to us, and you come back. Maybe, Maybe you're listening to these in a row. Maybe you are binging this at the end of this season, going through and listening to everything again. Absolutely no time has passed in between episode one an episode two of season eight of Hottest 100s and Thousands. We're in the same place. We are wearing the same clothes. It's the same day. Right now, we are all in Narnia. My name is Aslan, <laughs> and I'm one of the four Jesus allegories <laughs> you are going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again is Adam Poncho. A.K.A. Mr. Tonmus. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> it Try and think of other yeah, characters no, from Narnia. Sucked in all of you. I got introduced first and listed the one other character from Narnia that you all would know, Mr. Nathan Harrison. Go on. Um, well, first of all, Turkish delight is awful. Objectively, I didn't see it. No, shit. I, I, no, it no is. The, the fresh that, stuff's good. It's no, just the candy bar. The whole thing's a scam. Nathan, I just think it's, of it as delight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter where it comes from. It doesn't matter. Mm. Where it, interesting is all. Interesting is all. Uh, pretty mm. colonial of you mm. to not worry about where things come from. <laughs> Are um, you saying you're Turkish delight and then dragging yourself? No, no. I'd never drag myself. My self esteem is too high. Um, <laughs> isn't there like a. Uh, maybe this is Prince Caspian, but there's like a mouse that has a sword and who's like, he's a cool dude? Mm. Um, that's me. <laughs> Okay. Name him. You know me. Prince no, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, the, the wardrobe. The t- <laughs> peace robe. <laughs> I come in at the end of the story and bring peace. And sl- Ladies and, and gentlemen, s- we got him. Yeah. <laughs> and slay the wardrobe yeah. as peace robe. Yeah, we got him. Just we kick s- the shit we out got of the wardrobe. The wardrobe. <laughs> this is a very he good was hiding in a house and the seals went in and. I can see why this is a children's classic. Mm. Have you you've read like the the last one? <laughs> no, it's up. no, I haven't. Well, I mean, they're good. I, I don't even think I've read the Lion, the Witch, and the. I think I've read the Magician's Nephew. Is the only one I've read. You just call him a nephew. It doesn't matter what his <laughs> uncle's profession is. <laughs> really? <laughs> Who cares what his uncle does? Yeah, people aren't defined by their work. Yeah, it's Pendulette's nephew. <laughs> <laughs> So who are you then, Andrew? Well, I've been introduced. Oh yeah, yet. <laughs> Andrew McDonald is also here. I'm I'm uh, sorry. Uh, oh, the he's a witch. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say I'll, I'll be the uh, the Tilda Swinton Ice Witch from the movie. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. That was a gimmick. Uh, book yeah. version only for me. Says Sword Mouse. <laughs> oh my god. Um, should we call it there? That brings us to the end of another <laughs> <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. In the most uh, DJY thing possible, I just snorted monster energy up my nose laughing. I think that's going to make you more powerful yet. Yeah, right. Um, But this is a bit of a... It's probably probably one of the saddest beginnings to an episode that we've had yet. And not just because... It's been pretty funny so far. (laughs) Don't editorialize. (laughs) You're right, sword mouse. I'm just just reading the tweets as people listen in, in real time. Because we had a really good run. I need to keep reminding... Myself of that and you guys of that. We had a really good run, <laughs> but we did. This episode might be a little bit weird because we, we lost the fucking app. We recorded this episode before and we fucked up. All right, listeners, we think <laughs> like you fucked up Are before. Are we just airing all of our dirty laundry <laughs> yes. today? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's important. Yeah, that's that right. They know. You've made mistakes, Thanks. listeners. Yeah. Get off our fucking back. <laughs> I'm sure you've lost a thing before. Like, yeah, like a keys. We or haven't like... brought that up. Yeah. So you maybe just... you just need to think for a little. 
Bit he just made Nathan say fuck. Yeah, that's right. The most wholesome person in this room. <laughs> if you just could think about fuck. our feelings, <laughs> Nathan, that's for once. That sword is getting to you. <laughs> yeah, well, look. <laughs> so anyway, so like, yeah, we we are we have done it before, and so it's 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 weird. We've never re-recorded an episode. We we've already talked about all of these five songs. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna do our best to recreate it word for word. We have the script. We have the script. <laughs> uh, we're gonna purposefully be like good this time. And crack some jokes that we wrote. We we're working on our tight 63. <laughs> so tight. So hopefully this is just as good as the first one, which you'll never hear, but was no. so funny and insightful. Yeah. I was brought to tears. Several times. Just, we uh, all were. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed to weep as a man. It, we, would, we would have been happy... Just quitting the podcast were were that episode to be released because it's just would have been so hard to That's follow. That's true. Up. The only reason we're still going <laughs> because we lost that because episode. We lost the episode, and we you, you know, know trying to recapture that glory. Maybe it was too good. That's the problem. Yeah, it was like um the cl- the movie that the the day the clown was in the Holocaust um, by Jerry Lewis. <laughs> the day the clown died, is it called? What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> Jer- Someone, I'm looking at a bunch of fucking singletons here. <laughs> what are you um, talking? Jerry, Jerry Lewis, the comedian, made a film this about the Holocaust where he, like, he played a clown. This was he the Joker? And like he dances and cracks jokes. He children, dabs on Hitler. And like, and like leads children into the gas chambers cracking jokes no! as a means of like making their spirits better when they're going right. to die kind of thing. And then, and then he finished it and he never released it because he thought it was too bold. I can't <laughs> believe it's not real. It sounds so real. <laughs> what the hell? It and sounds then- like you're talking about Life is Beautiful. No, Life is Beautiful is, uh, was inspired by it. Ah. The day the clown went to the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't even started this shit yet. Hang on. Because I just went to Google and I tri- typed in Jerry Lewis clown. Yeah. <laughs> the next word. See, I told you I didn't make this up. Okay, you were so close. What? It's the day the clown cried. Cried, right, okay. All right, well, it's real. Told ya. Um, mm. Shall we do a... <laughs> I think Adam's in What's the it. first song, David? Yeah. <laughs> should we talk about music now? Uh, okay, fine. Uh, this is a song from the soundtrack to the... T- <laughs> <laughs> At number 95, this is Rage Against the Machine with their cover of Africa Bambada's Renegades of Funk. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. Machine at number 95 in the. I almost said 19. It's not anymore. Hey. We're, we're in the 21st century, baby. We have been dragged kicking and screaming. We're here. That was Rage Against Machine with their cover of Renegades of Funk, originally by Africa Bambada from the final Rage Against the Machine album. Quasi title track, I guess. This is uh, mm. the album Renegades. Yeah. Uh, so we're throwing to our resident. Ratum expert. Adam. Yo. Interesting development. Nothing has changed, obviously, in Narnia, but out in the real world, Rage Against the Machine have just gotten back together. Yeah, the first time we recorded this episode, that um, That's true. That wasn't the case. Uh, yeah. So, well, lucky we waited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was I, I, the episode I, sabotaged by Rage Against the Machine? Who's or just say? Working, PR people, you know. Working theory. So, yes, this is coming off the album that was made very late in Rage Against the Machine's career. In fact, pretty much just after this album was released, the band broke up. And there was quite a lot of tensions kind of happening a long time before that, which Tom Morello has kind of talked about quite a bit. Apparently, they were just kind of like squabbling about all kinds of things. And, you know, they all kind of realized together they were just kind of losing their way. But this is a really interesting thing to happen at the end of that, because this is almost like Rage Against the Machine returning to the material that really made them Rage Against the Machine. Renegades mm. is, a, is a covers album, and specifically, it's covering songs that are of a, a huge variety of genres, really, and, and across a huge different variety of bands, but they all kind of carry the same kind of 
energy that Radius Machine do, you know, that kind of anti-establishment, um, political, kind of pushing the boundaries kind of thing. And often quite a few bands that are featured offer the same kind of genre-bending quality that Rage Against the Machine does, including the basis for this particular song by Africa Bambada. Now, if you don't know Africa Bambada, pretty much one of the OGs of hip-hop, in commercially recorded hip-hop at least, Africa Bambada and the Soul Sonic sound is yeah. regarded as kind of like one of the, the very early like full hip-hop albums yeah. um, to be successful and to be influential. And in that case, it was really kind of uh, very electronically influenced. You listen to it and it's, it's kind of got a little bit of a craftwork kind of vibe for it. Fucking Afrofuturist hip-hop, man. That's, That's where it exactly was all what at. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. So, you know, Rage Against Machine giving it their, their classic kind of covers treatment where they turn it into their kind of thing. Mm. It is a, a textbook Rage Against the Machine banger. Um, coming it's- in with that huge, huge riff. Zach taking the opportunity to embrace that, that, that kind of hip-hop in the track and just really spit some fire and, and really get into the groove of it. Like, yeah. But I think more than that, what's really, really cool is the the crowd involvement that you hear? This is really like feels like Rage Against the Machine are incorporating their fan base into the song. It kind of feels like reaching out and, and embracing the community in that kind of way, which I think is super cool. I think this track more than any other one on the on that final Renegades record is the one that sounds the least like a cover. Like it sounds like this is so naturally a rage song. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Sure. Yeah, and like I can see why they would really want to have covered this. Like it has totally. that kind of like that renegade kind of thing that their whole kind of aesthetic yeah. is being a renegade funk. And or also it's so cool because they it's a covers album, right? And this is a song that is dealing with renegades throughout history. Yeah. So it's yeah. like they're reaching back in the history of music to pull out this song, which is in itself reaching back. So they're putting themselves really inside this lineage of renegades. We talked a little bit about them doing that in Guerrilla Radio in the same way. They're trying yeah. to put themselves in a context yeah. and, and say it's not just about us, it's about all these other people that have also done things. Right, and the, and, the, and explicitly pointing towards those people in the lyrics and yeah. letting, letting people who maybe don't know but who know Red Against the Machine because it's something that, like, you guys, particularly the, the more punk, pretty punk. tinged <laughs> people in the group, Nathan and Andrew, um, have mentioned before that Rage... Noted punk, Nathan Harrison. That's it. That Rage kind of, like, bring people in... But maybe they don't advance mm. things, you know, in the same kind of way. But that that kind of answers that, right? Because like, Resistance Machine are alluring as hell, and then they're saying like, well, you know, like it's almost like for further reading. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's almost like a mixtape or whatever. Yeah, of just like you can totally imagine being a kid that is into rage and not much else, and then looking at this song and being like, cool, I'm gonna like follow up on all of these people. I'm gonna read about these people. I'm gonna listen to their music. I'm gonna, yeah. you know. That's sick. It's super, it's super cool, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, generally, like, like a cover record is nobody's like favorite kind of release, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's interesting with a band like Rage, who at the time were one of like the not just one of the biggest political rock bands in the world, but one of the biggest rock bands. Period. Oh yeah. Um, and for them to like, they went out on top. Yeah, and then for the, for them to intentionally reach back into the lineage of songs that influenced them. And particularly, like, not necessarily they were at a creative standstill, but I know, like, obviously they broke up around this point, so they obviously yeah. weren't at their creative peak kind of thing. But it doesn't feel like a, oh, we don't know what else to do, we'll do a cover record, like so many cover records feel. It feels more purposeful than that, for I sure. Think. Yeah. And you Musically, can... I, I I think it's a bit lacking. I, I, I think I can see a band squabbling, yeah. you know, kind of wrapping things up. Musically, this doesn't have the fire of... Even Guerrilla Radio, which we talked about fairly really? recently. Yeah. Because, like, this is the only song from this album that they, like, constantly played on their reunion tours. Hey, it and, probably like, goes off live. And this but... was, like, one of the biggest singles that they ever put out. I could kind of get that from some of the other, like, covers on this record, like Kick Out the Jams or Maggie's Farm or whatever. But this one specifically, you could easily see this as a Rage Against the Machine song. That's fair. I just don't think it would be a particularly good one like i don't think the riffs pop i feel like tom's doing what tom always does and at this point i'm like mm-hmm. it's definitely rage's weakest release obviously um and that's just and, and not just because you don't have the originality of zach's lyricism which is always a highlight yeah. with rage stuff and zach's already got a foot out the door anyway absolutely yeah. yeah and that's the thing right it's so funny to me that like i guess like this being the last rage record and like Everybody still holds and deservingly Zach as a brilliant lyricist because when he's on on his peak, like when we spoke about Gorilla Radio, which I in particular 
I remember just thinking like, this is what I fucking want from Rage. It's so political, so smart. The band's in perfect form. Here, like, it's so funny to me that Zach Della Rocca has written three albums of lyrics in like 30 years mm. and that's it. And he had that EP as well, obviously One Day as Lion and done a few tracks here and there kind of thing. But there's only three records of Zach Della Rocca lyrics. And then like for the last one to be a covers record, I get the the purpose of it. But also I, I do think that the lack of love for being in this band between the four of them is present. Even though I, I think I like this more than you do, Nathan, but I still definitely don't. It's still not a patch on any of the original Rage songs. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think that it's like a much of a fair comparison. You see the other three as like a like a trilogy, right? And this is kind of it feels like an afterthought in a lot of ways. You know what? If a band was having troubles and they were feeling directionless and not connected to stuff, I pay the project of getting inside a room and jamming as a band on covers that are important to you yeah, and your going mission. Back to totally, basics. totally. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, it really sounded like you were setting up for like if a band is in trouble. Reach out, like, <laughs> yeah, give me a call. Didn't Pearl Jam kind of do a similar thing as well? Like, yeah, I think that's didn't fair. they go back into the studio when they were like, we can't be grunge anymore, we have to rediscover what we are? And it was well, just a yeah, we talked about that, yeah, their, their cover of um, Leaving Here, yeah, there you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's a similar <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not their cover of Last Kiss, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I mean, like, that covers have fault. always been important for Pearl Jam, but I think you can definitely draw a line there of them using that to try and figure out who they were totally, as sort of genres moved, you know, away from them or whatever. Mm. So just in terms of some interesting things in chronology, um, the album finished recording in September 2000 and Zach announced that he was leaving the band the month after. Wow. Um, now, some wild, wild stuff in terms of what they were playing with in terms of uh, after Rage Against the Machine, like as of the rest of them who were left, who would then go on to, you know, like to, to hook up with Chris Cornell, Chris Cornell. and then form Audio Slave. But before that, there was talk of them becoming Ozzy Osbourne's backing band. Yeah. And even the backing band of Macy Gray, which would yeah. have been a weird world. There was also talk of uh, if someone was going to come in and replace Zach Della Rocca. If, well, it, if it was anyone well, but Chuck D. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. The two main frontrunners like in that rumor mill were Chuck D and Be Real. Yeah. Both of which would end up joining those three guys in the band Prophets of Rage. So there you go. Some other interesting things in terms of chronology, though, as well, because we've talked about the ghost of Tom Joad, which also appears on Renegades, but we talked about that years ago. Yeah, because that was on like a VHS or some shit. Yeah, it had yeah. some weird release, but it, you know, it's also worth mentioning that it got included in the album, which was um, actually released in uh, in December of two thousand. So the album came out quite late, uh, and and after the announcement, after the announcement, that's significant. It is. As and, is, you know, because voting would have been open after the announcement as well. And also um, the fact that the song itself, Renegades, wasn't released um, as a single until February of the following year. So props on the Jays for picking up on the album mm. and obviously churning it enough in, in that kind of month that it managed to get into the countdown, I guess. Mm. But I mean, like, you know, there was already a fertile ground for Regius Machine fans yeah. in Triple yeah. yeah. already. So. And like voting at the start of like 2001 as well, like when this would have been kicking off again on the in the singles and stuff like that. Yeah, like the fresher it is in the memory, it's just like, oh yeah, cool, I, I will vote for that. You I know? think it rips. I yeah. really, I do like it. Like I, I really, really do like it. I, I think it's a strong staple of the set and as a swan song and like a reflection of not just their heritage and like the stuff that made Raiden what it is, but like you can kind of see it as like a a, a song about the band itself. Totally. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah, big time. And that's cool. I just think musically it's not. Now, there was a lyric in this song that talks about the the renegades of the prehistoric age. Mm. And I picked up on this last time, Nathan, and I actually asked you the last time oh, we recorded. Yeah. This is one thing I do remember the last time we recorded this episode. True. As, a, as like a prehistoric animals expert yeah. who you thought the renegades of the world, of the, of the prehistoric one. Do you remember what I said? I think you said... Oh, we can riff on this. This is good. Punch <laughs> this up. That's a good... What would I have said? Well, I suggested I suggested whales, right? Yeah, whales are cool. Because whales, like, they were like, no, nah, fuck the water. I'm going on land. And then they were like, fuck the like, land. Because yeah. they were like land mammals. Classic is like, oh, now it's too hot. Back yeah. in the water. Or, or like a turtle, hey. Like how yeah, they, like yeah. Their, their skeletons were like, man, fuck being a skeleton. I'm going to be like a shell in that. That's and cool. Like, yeah. 
Or no, you said placental mammals. I don't know, you said a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, was, I totally was, said placental mammals. It was like yeah. a half-hour lecture. I think, I think you they eventually... were like, no eggs. Fuck it. Eggs only inside. And then <laughs> live babies that we have to care for. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a real, it's a real fuck you move. Like, oh, like you think it's cool to just have your eggs like incubate in like a nest and eat your life can move on? Well, we think it's cool to actually have your life ruined and have yeah. to look after this fucking creature. Yeah, the real renegades are the, the, the babies yeah. who are like, fuck you, take care of me. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm going to like something in that. be on you. Mm. You better feed me. <laughs> Because baby's hungry. Baby's hungry. <laughs> Baby wants milky. <laughs> True renegades. True renegades. That's punk. Renegades. That is Damn. punk. Dep- yeah. <laughs> Being dependent on your parents. Punk rock. Punk as fuck. Yeah. Who could forget Zach's famous line? Baby want milky. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I think this was oh, better than no. the, I think this was better than the last time we did it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, probably. Fucking hell. Maybe wasn't as cursed. At number 94, this is here too, with the ground beneath her feet. Welcome back to You Talking You 2 to me, the comprehensive and encyclopedic <laughs> compendium of all things You 2. This is good rock and roll uh, music. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Scott Ockerman, and uh, we are talking about The Ground Beneath Her Feet, which came in at number 94 in the hottest 100 of 2000. It is from the album All You Can't Leave Behind. Can we get sued for this? No. And is that kind of cool? If we get if we get yeah. sued by Scott Aukerman? Bring it on. Yeah. Look, if Fiona Horn hasn't sued us, <laughs> Scott Aukerman isn't going to. Prove I mean, us wrong, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> that said, Fiona did put a curse on this podcast. And here we are. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> Talking about you two again. Baby wants milky. You two. <laughs> <laughs> Never say that again. <laughs> I'll give you money to not say that again. I'll oh. take it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I'm not too proud to do that. No. <laughs> Is this a bold yeah. new Patreon strategy? It's like, <laughs> you, if you we'll give pay us you to not three, say a phrase. $3 a month and we'll never say that again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just like, we start at 20 goal. instances of Baby Wants Milky. Stop and saying every it! Every Patreon <laughs> reduces that instance. Yeah. Oh, yuck. <laughs> oh, sweet baby Jesus. Wants um, milky. <laughs> Do you reckon Baby Jesus was breastfed or bottle fed? He was. Uh, he didn't have bottles. It was old. Well, you think Jesus couldn't make a bottle? <laughs> he, was he was a, a carpenter. carpenter. <laughs> a wooden bottle. Like a wood bottle. <laughs> like a like a barrel with like a tit on top. Mama, Dada, I made bottle. <laughs> Baby Jesus wants milky. Oh, yuck! <laughs> That's why he got crucified. No. <laughs> Not as a child. <laughs> 30, 32 year old Jesus being just like, like oh, I, I, as you can see, I've brought the, the loaves and the fishes and the water is now wine. But as we all know, and the crowd's all hot, and he's like, baby wants milky. And Pilate's like, nah, fuck that shit. <laughs> Pilate's like, that guy did it. <laughs> that guy's Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Irish rock band U2. Uh, now, outside of Narnia, they have just been in Australia uh, and uh, playing uh, rock concerts. I was at one of them. It may or may not have been really fucking good. Oh, yeah, that happened since the last time. Yeah. What, look at this bump in action. It's yeah. some wild shit. It's unstoppable. We just recorded this episode too early. Wait, it was just that the was... wrong time. Guys, every, you... everything happens for a reason. Yeah, this is true. Guys, guys. Have you read The Alchemist? But I'll tell you, what hasn't changed is Nathan Harrison Mm. functioning as a machine that hates you two. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, I'm like, I think someone's worse. But yes, 
You are referring to a radio play that I was part of. That's true. Many a year ago about you too. Mm. Mm. And it was, yeah, it was pretty good. Don't fucking plug your shit here. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna. It's still available. I think it's, 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 it? on. it's happening right now in Narnia. Yeah. yeah. So this is a song that was added to the album All That You Can't Leave Behind as a bonus track or whatever. But mm-hmm. it was, uh, this is a soundtrack song. Soundtrack hours, baby. Yeah, we're back. Uh, for the uh, the movie Million Dollar Hotel, uh, which Bono wrote. He wrote the story for He wrote the story for yeah, it. Story by and then written by The mm. Edge. Someone more complicated. <laughs> 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 the Edge got brought into Doctor Edge. Yeah. Is the script equivalent of using heaps of delay just like the characters end up like repeating one another heaps? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, is this a million dollar I mean? hotel? Million dollar hotel? Million dollar hotel? Yeah, it's a million dollar hotel. Like, well, I mean, like, it seems like the movie, movie was about that bad. Like, it did yeah, it, very it, poorly. I mean, it's Million Dollar Hotel. Let's start with that. Not a great title. It's a bad title. Is it as bad as The Day the Clown Goes to the Holocaust? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's actually it almost it's, that bad. <laughs> it, Nathan, do you have the plot summary there for The Million Dollar Hotel? Oh, I don't. Do you have I've it? got it, yeah. Oh, please, um, please. The movie is about a group of very different people living in a hotel in Los Angeles, California, including the romantically involved Tom De- Tom Tom and Eloise, who's played by Mila Jovovich. The events that unfold are the result of the death of an important resident, the son, Tim Roth, of a billionaire media mogul. His father commissions an FBI agent, Mel Gibson, to look into his death. Haven't seen it, has bad reviews, and if the song is reflective of the quality of the film, <laughs> it's not a very fucking good film. Interesting. <laughs> look, also, also, I want to say, the, so the song lyrics are also taken from a Salman Rushdie novel, um, famous yes, that's fatwa right. recipient and and writer in the book, which is called the same thing. I think the book is also called yeah, the Grab Beneath the Feet. Yeah. yeah. Um, the main character writes a song for for a lady, and Bono, I guess, just lifted the lyrics and was like, "Does someone get a writing credit on it?" Yes, yes, yeah, he did. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm. For yeah, the lyrics. And, and Salman actually like uh, had some things to say about the song when he heard it, like more than you think he would. Yeah. Like he's, he's, I think he has a lot to say. So they- <laughs> <laughs> right. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yes, including that. <laughs> no, Rushdie said like Soft it, too. No, it's, it's like he almost reads like he's writing for Pitchfork or something. He's like, yes. mm, this has some of the most beautiful melodies that Bono has ever come up with, which well. may be a subtle drag. Um <laughs> he's like, so I always you knew, you know, that it wasn't going to be an up-tempo foot tapper because it's a sad song. But I think it sounds like, I hope, one of those big U2 ballads for which Bono's voice actually is beautifully well suited. Maybe <laughs> also a subtle fucking drag. That does sound like actual rock criticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. It could be. Yeah, could be. Salmon Fantano. Um, it's not a good song, though. Salmon. Actually, okay, so like, I know the last time I ran into U2. It didn't. Here too. As in like the other end. week like, when well, they were here. the edge. What are you fucking doing in this yeah, part you were of ha- the- you were hanging yeah. out with Bono. Yeah. And I'm talking about when I was talking about the sweetest thing. I think that was the last time oh, we talked about well, you too. Yeah, right? I think so. You okay. were pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah, you, so, were, si- you were sitting in the cart next to, to Ali, uh, Bono's yeah. wife. Having a terrible <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, like, Ali, you can do better. <laughs> Come on. Look. Look at him. Yeah. Adam's was, like the sassy gay best friend. <laughs> no, that, was, that was Adam's... Um, uh, Ah, what yeah, that? go on, Andrew. Yeah, okay, on. this is good. Right. Come good. on, man. set it up. Set it up. Punch yeah. up. Punch yeah. up. That that was Adam's um, <laughs> moment of that comedian whose name I've forgotten, who said, "Pull your socks up, and you can do better." Hannah Gadsby. Hannah Gadsby, and the show she did was called Nanette. <laughs> Nanette. Nanette. <laughs> the, Are you like the woman <laughs> who said, <laughs> said, "Pull your socks up"? Well, Look, the joke landed. Do I'm you very have funny. The fucking barely... memento disease. I have, I have many diseases. <laughs> <laughs> Brain's a bucket of schwap. <laughs> a bucket? Oh, damn it! I bucket. <laughs> MF said bucket. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. David changed the group name to Bocket. I'll, I'll, trust me, I will. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I talked about you two, I had some, you two. had some harsh things to say. Honestly, like, and I know you're probably not with me on this, I think this is one of the better you two kind of songs from around this time. Does that mean it's good though? See, I I think it's one of the better U two songs <laughs> from around this. I don't mind it. I, I actually I actually think like sure the beginning's a little meandering, but at least the melodies are pleasant enough. Like Bono's doing a Bono. Look, he's he's going real real heartfelt, you know, chest clutchy on on the delivery. But you know, as Salman said, that's just what he does. Yeah. But when the drop actually kicks in, I find that kind of satisfying. Like that the 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 drum beat there and the way the drums sound and that kind of like. Um, like almost you know, edges guitar work and the and the kind of like 
semi-solo riffing that kind of happens there. I like it. Well, Biggie's Almost. what they do. Like, mm. I, I'm probably the harshest U2 critic in the room. And I even, like, when they're at their best, they're being big. And because you like the Edge's guitar tone suits big. So I can see why you get that appeal from the song. Yeah, like yeah. Everything just kind of takes film, off. Film, big. Starring Tom Hanks as the Edge. <laughs> <laughs> One day, a young boy went to the fortune teller and then grew up to be the Edge and played on the piano with his feet and that. If Andrew's not making a solid case as to why he should be hired as a screenwriter throughout the course of this episode, then like... He can't even remember that against his God name. It. That was a real smart moment for this guy. <laughs> just too busy rotating three-dimensional objects in my mind. Probably all the acid thinking, you took last just, night just, in just retrospect. Th- just thinking of various sums. Mm. Mm. Too smart to think What's of. What's your favourite sum? You know what? 41. Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, you, know, so you, know, you know what? Mine's got to be the humble... Three plus two, you can't oh, beat it. Nice. Yeah, you get you get a good five out of it. Mm-hmm. There's a three <laughs> plus sign, yeah. and the classic two, the big two. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's not forget the equals either. The thing writes itself. It's a good sum. <laughs> Listeners, what about what about? Why do you let us what your favorite sum is? Well, it's got to be one plus one, right? That's a good one. Can't it's argue that. I think part of the reason that we're not talking. As much about the things that we should be, is because we already have. You have to remember this. You have to remember this. No, we spoke about this. David, did they play this when you saw them? No, that'd be so wild if they (laughs) did, man. I wish they did. As the encore, loses their shit. That's what gets me. Someone loses his shit. You got to remember the the like caliber of like the big songs that were coming out of here too, particularly circa all that you can't leave behind coming out. You know, and some of them we will talk about, absolutely. But yeah. like stuff off this this album that didn't get in, like there's a song called "In a Little While," which is like why the regard is like one of their most beautiful songs. I really like, like that song. That is, uh, that was the last song that Joey Ramone heard and really, really loved before yeah. he passed away. And they, they, they um, <laughs> huge drag on the oh. ones he heard afterwards, but didn't really love. <laughs> No, yeah, I know. They, when when they heard that, they played that like as an encore every night and tri- as a tribute to Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually wrote the miracle of Joey mm. Ramone as a as a tribute to him. Just the caliber of like, in in my opinion, anyway, because like this was like their big comeback record and stuff like that. So the fact that this got in on the back of what was not even a very interesting song or soundtrack of a movie that no one remembers. Like, this is just kind of trickly, kind of middle of the road, kind of just like, it exists and it's just like, oh, that's fine. But like, it doesn't tug at the heartstrings or like invigorate me in the same way some of the other like big songs around this era do. It definitely feels like a V for the B for, mm. for my money. We haven't pulled that bad boy or out Or a, a while. vote for the author, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, they were fanging All the for rusty it. heads. Are how, like, how, yes. much, how much did that fucking that movie make again? It was like seven grand or something. Oh yeah, shit. it was terrible. Oh, some rough. Did shit. Did not do well. Million dollar hotel. Yeah, did not make a million dollars at that hotel. Budget eight million dollars, and it made it nearly made sixty thousand dollars. At number ninety three, this is Reef, and they're gonna set the record straight. Folks, you heard that correctly. Reef yeah, had another that, song. They had mm. they had another song. It was called "Set the Record Straight," and it came in at number ninety three in the hottest one hundred of two thousand. Why is this? What like? What is going on? <laughs> right. Like, I got so many questions. So, Reef kept going after. As well, they should. That was a good song. It was a great sure. song. It was yeah. fun. We all love that song. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I guess they had to flesh out the set. With this is another the ho- song. This is the hottest one hundred of the year. 
2000, and this song sounds like it came out in 1973 or some shit. And I think it should have been overlooked then. I don't think it... Actually, you know what this kind of reminded me of? It sounds like Let Me Entertain You by Robbie Williams. Oh, yeah. It does have a real yeah. Williams energy about it. Yeah. 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 Not good. And, and like. Well, that song slaps. I'm, yeah, gonna, I'm yeah. just going to put it out yeah, there. Yeah, that's fine. The best thing about that other Reef song was his voice, which is just. He's just, just not, not doing, doing it. it. He's yeah. not doing the voice anymore. Yeah, do the now, voice, now man. He's do the just voice. Doing, he's just do the Adam like Sandler a, voice. He's doing, <laughs> he's doing like a weird, like, Bobby Gillespie kind yeah. of. Yeah. And yeah. the rest of the song isn't good. Like, yeah, the what's he even setting the record straight about? Oh, yeah, we His never voice. find out. <laughs> this is, this is actually, actually sound this is like my that. actual voice. Yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> thought we were a one-hit wonder? Let me set the record straight. <laughs> we are. We are. <laughs> um, yeah, this, uh, apparently this is, um, like, this is from their last record before breaking up, and apparently it's like a, the record itself. Should have done a covers it's, album. It's a far more commercial-sounding record overall, apparently. And the earlier stuff wasn't, like, super anti-commercial, obviously. Yeah. But, like, I guess maybe the fact that he intentionally toned down the voice or indeed didn't do it at all was part of a reflection of that, like them trying to make a more accessible pop commercial kind of sensibility. Because there's shades of, like, hard rock and Brit pop on this, I guess. Like, mm. that's kind of mm-hmm. what they're shooting for. Mm-hmm. I don't think they succeed tr- tremendously. Like, this is not a terrific song by any stretch. Like, I can kind of see this working better in, like, a concert context, but maybe a touch. But, yeah, yeah, it's that kind of hard rock sensibility that was trying to recover after Britpop, I guess. But, like... I don't know. Like I, I, I am perplexed that anybody would be like, "Oh yeah, got to vote for set the record straight." It's, it's, it's like, such a meandering. The lyrics rock song. are so generic. Yeah. Like it's just not about anything, and the music, it, everything else is just so bland. Mm. I don't. I like the horns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If there's horns, I'm going to be into it. Yeah, it's, at least the horn parts. Mm. It's true. But I spent like 20 minutes online trying to find like a good like horny comment, or like a weird comment of someone who like stands this song oh, so yeah, hardcore. Yeah. Oh like, yeah, this is my like, wedding song. Yeah, this is, I jerked off to the first time I did this song. <laughs> it was so good. Ah, oh, made such oh. a mess. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and just couldn't find any. Like, and that's weird because usually you can find one weirdo for every song. Right? Yeah, it's like yeah. Shrek Three is the best Shrek. Yeah, there's someone who thinks that. Yeah. Actually, someone I haven't seen Shrek three, but someone was telling me the plot I and have. like sound. I don't know. Good. Sounded better than Million Dollar Hotel. Okay, <laughs> I see. I probably made a lot more money than Million Dollar like Hotel. There's like time travel. Yeah. Apparently, I don't know. I haven't okay. seen. I haven't seen the fourth Shrek, but I remember thinking. Or maybe that it was a. I don't know. It was I, a latter Shrek. The fourth one is better than the third one. I prefer the third to the second. Which one has time traveling? I, I, I rate uh, that you're thinking of Looper. <laughs> Shrek to the future yeah. Shrek. But like it's big You know like it's got a lot of energy to it Like I, I'm not gonna side with you And say that I can't entirely see The appeal of it Like I think they, there's they, they sound like they're performing the song with sincerity Like I think they really like the song Yeah there's some long haired cunt with a tambo in the background Some dude on bongos Like there's three female backing vocalists Like it is just It has that big band kind of feel But it's like it's so yeah, like, yeah, big operation for such a bad song. Yeah. Just, like, it's just nothing. I think it's well produced. Yeah. Okay, mate. You love it. We get it. No, no. No, no. But I'm just I'm just being some yang to your yin. Mm. Just being the wardrobe to your... Peace robe. <laughs> That's right. Oh, wow. <laughs> this was like two years before retro rock became cool again, though. Oh, you think this was uh, ahead of its time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, like... Reef walked so the strokes could run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just it does it feels like it doesn't belong anywhere. It's too like Maybe that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Kindred souls. Fuck yourself. <laughs> you also have horns backing you up where you go places. I fucking wish, yeah. man. Right? Is that all we're saying on this? Like, I can talk about the lawsuit. Stupid lawsuit. Lawsuit? Well, there's a fucking lawsuit. Wait, wait who No, please. <clears throat> Tell. Is the song about a lawsuit? Whoa, imagine if lawyers this is their, do. Like, they set the record straight. This really is their do. defamation defense or something. <laughs> well, I mean, it imagine happened. if that was the lawyer's walk on music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lawyers, lawyers this song slaps have... now. <laughs> lawyers should have walk on music. <laughs> yeah. Lawyers yeah. don't have walk on music yet. Yeah, I want, I want lawyers to have a WWE Titan Tron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who's this lawyer? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who did Reef sue or. 
get, get sued, sued by. by. It's just like halfway through. I don't know what the, I want more. Mm. Halfway through the the lawyer like giving his giving his defense or whatever, another lawyer you weren't expecting runs in from the back of the courtroom and just like mounts a surprise defense. Yeah. Oh my God! Tags oh my God! Him. It's Johnny Cochran from the back! I love the Ace Attorney games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Surprise objection. Yeah. There it goes wild. All right, so the lawsuit was... All right, so there was a clothing company called Reef Brazil. Oh. And Reef Brazil thought it was a bit much that this other band called Reef also had T-shirts that had the word Reef on it. So they mounted what was possibly the weakest fucking lawsuit <laughs> against Reef the band, yeah. trying to sue them for having shirts that had Reef on it. And the judge was like, all right, but your name's Reef Brazil. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, well, this, this is just Reef. It's like, yeah. So it's like, it's not really the same. And he's like, yeah. It's like, get out of the court. Really. And he's like, this is a band, the primary purpose isn't to sell shirts. They're not a. They're not a. Well, in today's thing. economy. Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But it'd be good if Reef toured Brazil and it. Reef Brazil. <laughs> yeah, Reef 2019. <laughs> Just the sticker. To, once the court case has been yeah. thrown out, you're like, right, yeah. fuckers. Reef Brazil 2019. Sao Paulo. So all the dates. Yeah. yeah. So and it just was... make the shirts for that tour very just ripoffs yeah. of Reef Brazil. So this happened in like late 2000, and like basically it was it was thrown out of court. And Obviously. They, Do you think this of... this is the bump from that? I don't think so. <laughs> they're in the news. In the, so. in the news. <laughs> yeah, they they got a small amount of money, but th- th- I think more than that, the band just found that really just a bummer, and so actually it probably contributed to to Reef just going mm. like, you know what, like even though I'm pretty sure you told this story last time we recorded this episode, I definitely did. Yeah, but when you were like a court case, I you know was trying to think of all the different things that maybe happened, and I didn't think of that, and it was way more boring than all the things I thought. So I think I forgot it on purpose. Everything happens for a reason. Like this song. I intend on forgetting about this as soon as I can. On purpose. Let's do it right now. As if you need to focus to forget things, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Think of Reef for a sec, Andrew. All right, done. All gone. Number 92, this is Killing Heidi with Live Without It. Number 92 in the hottest 100 of 2000. That is Live Without It. It is from the album Reflector. This was the fourth, maybe third single uh, from uh, Reflector. So obviously we had Weir, which was uh, the uh, silver medalist of the 1999 hottest 100. Uh, Mascara, which also did quite well for itself. Uh, then I believe it was this. And then the final single was uh, Superman slash Supergirl. Mm. Uh, so pretty solid run of singles from an album. I'm just gonna come out and say it holds the fuck up. And same with like "Let Go" by Avril Lavigne, like like these kind of like teen pop records that like surprisingly hold up, like just because of how fucking sharp the fucking songwriting is. I really love this song, um, Nathan. You would have, yeah, we're similar ages. We would have grown hey, up. Don't, yeah, it's fine. Don't what? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's don't like, dox you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one piece of information people need. <laughs> How old's Nathan? How Similar old? to David. <laughs> well, here's his credit card. <laughs> <laughs> his number is 04. No. Damn it, he I got the 04. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the security thing is put in the first two digits of your mobile number. <laughs> oh, well, man. that checks out. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so you would have grown up with this album as well. I didn't have the album. Really? I knew the songs from the radio. Yeah, mm. right. Um, I wasn't into music much as a kid. so It was more into scuffing his knees and playing stickball. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. My music was outside. <laughs> this is a lovely song. Like this is, you know, obviously we're in at sort of the peak of the Killing Heidi domination of Australia. Yep. Um, the age of the age of Heidi. But this is lovely. Like They've killed Heidi. It's like post. Yeah. I don't know. 
So, think, so I now think it's killing. Just, it's like it's, it's a really just, slow yeah. kill, and everyone's behind it. A bad kill. Yeah, everyone's, it's like everyone's a huge for it. Heidi public it. execution that's yeah. taking hours, and, and everyone's are just like woo. frothing. Yeah. Over, she had it coming. Over the state brutality. Yeah. The song's lovely, though. It feels like a definitely little bit more stripped back version. Similar kind of rhythms and melodies or whatever. I think that there's almost, in my head, before I went back and listened to it, because I hadn't listened to this for a little while, other than just ambiently, passively or whatever. But I, I was kind of expecting the chorus to go a bit harder, but I think it doesn't for, for good reason. It differentiates it a bit from the dynamics of we're... And just let's kind of just be itself a bit more. I think they're like it's a really lush tone they're going for. It mm. just feels feels nice. It's like a comfy, lovely song. It's it's, it's just like kind of soft, quasi acoustic, kind of yeah. like lovely pop rock. Like I think this is a lovely song, but I also think if this song like came out today by like a Taylor Swift esque character, it could fully fucking go do some chart work yeah right? like it has that kind of aesthetic yeah mm. well the production is very it, you're 2000 not, you're not wrong yeah. you're not wrong yeah yeah so they'd have to update it a little bit like this is actually my favorite of the three killing Army oh, songs nice. that we've yeah, right. about so far it's oh, lovely really, right why it's, why is that i just think that the melodies are unstoppable they are really good like yeah. that guitar line is so simple yet it's so sparkly and it's got such a you're, you're right like there's a gentleness to it and there's a coziness that inhabits the the whole song at the same time as just being like just super sweet i think ella her vocal delivery maybe gets a little bit too affected, you know, during the pre-chorus where she errs into that yodeling, but it's endearing, if anything. And the rest of the time, she just sounds incredible. Just like the the way it's all kind of held back. The drumming, like the, is actually like really intricate and complicated, um, but it adds this a sort of beautiful textual element to the rest of the song. I just think it sits in this really nice place that not a lot of other kind of acoustic songs I can immediately name do, and especially not, you know, for this kind of era um, in Australian music. I just remember hearing this song as a kid and just like getting good feelings from it. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredibly sweet. It's just a sweet yeah. song and not, not overly saccharine. I just it's, love it's, that it, guitar line. It's just like, yeah, the guitar line is beautiful. And you, yeah. I agree with you with her vocals. They're in wonderful form. This is not and my they're, favorite. They're of the layered three. really well because it's all her vocals. It's her doing harmonies with herself, basically. And then yeah, there's like little bits there, like the like the Dolores O'Reid and like yeah, like those kind of little bends there. Like I really really like Pedro's drumming on this as well. Like particularly in that outro, like gives it a sense of atmosphere. And there's a cool dynamic there because he goes from the the brushes in the in the opening bit, switches over to the sticks, and then kind of keeps that shuffle up for the chorus, like moving over to cymbals and stuff like that. Like those dynamic shifts work really well for the song as well. Like And also switching between the acoustic and the, uh, the electric guitar as mm. well. I, I feel like this song really fires on all cylinders, even though it is like a, like a quote-unquote like stripped-back sort of song for this band. Yeah, there's still a lot of fun dynamics at play. Yeah, 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 absolutely, which is like not becoming of a band like half still in high school or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? It's crazy. Yeah, it's a really lovely song. Again, it's not my favourite of the three, but I, I would happily defend your choice mm. there, Adam. I think mm. I think, I think, it's, I think it's lovely. Out, definite yeah. standout of this record, absolutely. It's time, once again, for the band with the most checkered past, mostly because of the design on their clothes. It is Area 7. This is Start Making Sense. Hit it! Number 91 in the Hottest 100 of 2000. That is Start Making Sense from the album Bitter and Twisted. 
Australia's premier ska band of the turn of the century. Now, unlike these three shitheads, I'm a true believer. <laughs> ska defines who I am as a person, and I will never turn my back on ska. And I love this fucking song. I think it fucking whips. I love the big triumphant horns, the massive chorus, the, yeah, just everything about this. Like, this just takes me back to loving this record as a kid. This would have been within the first 10 albums, maybe 15 albums I ever bought. Yeah, I didn't really know anything else about this kind of music, but, like, I knew that I loved this sound. Like, I loved the mix of the horns and the upstroke of the guitars and the the punkier side of stuff. Like, uh, yeah, I'd gotten a bit of a taste of it with the Mighty Mighty Boston's, obviously, and... Gateway Scar. Oh, Gateway Scar. And now I wanted more. And I got plenty of it. And, yeah, like, I, I just really, really love it. It is definitely a nostalgic goggles thing. If I was coming to this now, I'd be like, yeah, it's okay. But, like, there's plenty of other Scar that I would like, prefer to listen to over this. But at the time, like, when you only know, like, two Scar bands, you know. <laughs> oh, I, like I, I, I still only know two Scar Like, that's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, you know more no, Scar I bands do. than you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm just thinking about what you're saying about how Area 7 at this point were the biggest Scar band in the country. They would have known that. What a weird thing to know that just like you are. Yeah, like you are the overlord this is Scar of your mu- subgenre. This is what peak Scar music is. You might not like it, but this is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, they were like bits and, like King Tide was still around, obviously, and like the Porkers and like... Bits and pieces like that, but like scar bands, like pull your socks up, (laughs) pull your your checkered socks up out of your vans. Not even looking at you, Cherry Pop and Daddies. Like in terms of just hey, they weren't a scar band; they were a swing band, man. They they had horns. You don't have to lean in so hard. The uh, Cherry Pop and Daddies got to be one of the like most bottom of the barrel band names imaginable. It's so shit. It's so shit, but it's so good. (laughs) This is just a very, like, childhood, like, memory for me, like, specifically remembering this song. And, like, yeah, I kind of just buy into the whole melodrama of it. And uh, it's just a really fun, dumb, catchy song. David Mann. Gonna have to agree with you here, buddy. Yeah, I this is is with a heavy heart. (laughs) It is with a heavy heart. I regret to inform you that I have to stand scar here. Hell, Um, fuck yeah, dude. I'm with you. This huge nostalgia trigger for me. I didn't have the record, but I heard this song on the radio a lot. Obviously, yeah, heard it on Rage and video hits. The punk rock aesthetic before I knew kind of what punk rock was, but the punk rock kind of riff work in this got me got me through like the upstrokes that I like was less palatable to me, but. The thick Aussie accent, like the fun of it all. It's perfect three in the afternoon, big day out kind of music. It's just ready to dance to, ready to skank along to, have a great time with. And part of that, again, I do agree, David, is driven by nostalgia. If I heard it today, I mightn't have that connection. But as it stands, I remember loving this song so much when I was like 12 years old and just thinking it was a blast. And I can't help but just remember the kind of fun I had with that as a kid, even listening to it as an adult. Like, yeah. Yeah. Delightfully fun piece of, like, silly, pop-punky ska rock. Yeah, with you, man. The one thing that always gets me is when they throw in that triplet to throw you off the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It's just little things like that where I'm just like, ah! Ah! The thing! Ah! You see what I did? Like, I'm 10 and I'm just like, fuck yeah! No, this is super fun. I get it. Like, I don't have a history with this, but, like... I can I can see what that history would be like yeah. if mm. it was there. And it's just super fun. Two things that the Hottest 100 does well is like having a record of like the big songs that were really impactful and kind of shaped like music discourse and styles and all that sort of thing. But the other one is just like making a really nice snapshot of what it was to be in Australia at that point in time. And like you can totally imagine this popping up on, on Triple J every few days or whatever mm. and just having a nice time. Particularly because it's Australian as well. It's just like mm. a nice snapshot. It's just a super fun song. And I totally agree. Like seeing these guys at a festival or whatever would just been awesome. Yeah. It's got horns, so it's like a tick, right? Like yeah. you, 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 oh. It doesn't have Tom Jones, which... Mm. Tom Jones, Tom Jones. Tom Jones plus horns. He would do a great cover of this song. Uh, yeah, Because every a... song he covers turns to gold. Oh, Nathan. You're so correct. <laughs> I, I don't know a lot of Scar, but it's like because of that... Every time I come across Scar, it's kind of like, ooh, this this new, fresh... I think the worst thing you could possibly do if you weren't that into Scar is listen to heaps of Scar. I think, I think get that's what I a mean? big note, for sure. Because I think people that are like only into Scar 
are probably the worst thing about ska music. <laughs> like ska music is fun, but I could for s- a bit. But I could see how you could be into nothing but ska in terms of genres that have just such a a huge, bright, literally brassy impact. The energy of ska is is almost unmatched. And if you got into, if that was like one of the first genres of music you heard, and then all of a sudden it's like, here's Elliot Smith, you'd be like, oh, what, you know. <laughs> if, it's about six years between me discovering Scar and me discovering Elliot Smith. So <laughs> I'm got that. There's a, there's a good, like, uh, yeah, the dust gap. had settled by the yeah. time I got to Elliot <laughs> Smith. And there were some things between that, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. A couple of things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But as a sometimes food, like as a sugary, sweet, brassy treat that you only pull out. On special occasions, scar. It's cheat day music. It's cheat day music. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. like yeah. desserts or whatever. But like when it's good, it's so good. And yeah, yeah. Because like so little like pop and rock music has horn sections. That's right. A good scar band doing like really fun, interesting things with a horn section is cool. Totally, it's fun to listen to, and it's something you don't get anywhere else. And I don't like- know whether I could listen to a full scar album. Mm. You know what I mean? I think I think I'd get quite tired. You know, quite I, quickly. I could do an EP. Yeah. And have done. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But as it stands great. at the moment. Shout out to great Wollongong ska punk band Hornography. From, Hornography? Yep, Hornography. Yeah, from, see, that's a good ska punk. Uh, I guess hey, like 15 years ago. <laughs> nice one, guys. Yeah. If you're listening. I want to say Jamie was in that band. Nice one, Jamie. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Drop, drop us a Jamie line. Hornography. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Jamie H. Big mm. Jamie H. That's where they got the band name from. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nominative determinism. I guess I have to be in a scar band. Yeah. So look, this is this is my monthly daily. Like your father and your father's <laughs> father oh, yeah. and your father's father's father. We're all in scar bands. <laughs> this is my scar song for the month. But I think I spent I spent my scar credits wisely mm. in yeah. in listening to. I mean, like I had to as the podcast. Yeah. I had to listen to the song. But and, you know, I'm glad. You didn't now, have to. And now back you to bullshit your way through it. And now back to Elliot Smith's XO <laughs> and black metal. Yeah. <laughs> yep, the big two. Yeah. The big two. <laughs> that brings us to the end of another episode of Hottest One Hundreds and Thousands. Hey, thank you so much. For listening and thank you for climbing into the wardrobe with us. We hope that the outside world treats you well no matter where you go. But in the meantime, we got some business to attend to. We have to pick our favourites and our least favourites from this episode and continue the ever-continuing story of Carryover Champ and Carryover Chump. My favourite for this week, I am going to go... With Live Without It by Killing Heidi because I love that song. I do love Start Making Sense, but Live Without It is a, is a beautiful one as well. Uh, least favorite, I reckon it's probably got to be Set the Record Straight by Reef, and I'll give that my new chump. Same. And new champ and new chump. Oh, hey. Yeah. Mm. Fuck it, you know? Yeah. You want to do this episode once? <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my fave from this ep, I'm going to give it to Killing Heidi as well. We'll live without it. I think it's a lovely song. Uh, my champ, however, will remain Silverchair. My least favorite and new chump is you 2 mm. All right. Uh, yeah, my favorite from this episode is actually Renegades. Mm. Um, see a rage song, pick a rage song. Um, my least favorite, yeah, look, probably Reef, just whatever. It's I, I didn't think it was horrible, but... My champ definitely, definitely remains Silver Chair, and my chump definitely, definitely remains uh, Madison Avenue. I really hope we recorded this. I can't wait to do it again next week. Oh, buddy. Mm. <laughs> Welcome to Groundhog Day. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks to SideQuest Studios for having us. If you would like to get in touch, please do so at hottest100s at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. At hottest one hundreds, and follow us on Instagram. And it, a line. if you want to have a chat about this away from our watchful eyes, actually we still will be monitoring you. But you can visit the uh, unofficial hottest one hundreds and thousands subreddit, which is on reddit.com slash r slash hottest one hundreds and thousands. Fuck we yeah! We should get mod privileges. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher, aka Mr. Tunmus. <laughs> if we're still doing that, yeah. oh yeah, even it's that. been consistent yeah. and consistently great. <laughs> All right, cheers, Mr. Nathan Harrison. Peace, drobe out, <laughs> and Mr. Andrew McDonald. 
Tilda Swinton as the Ice Queen from the 2000 and whatever movie out. Oh, I was the Sword Mouse. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late to look up the Sword Mouse's name sword now. Sword Don't look it up mouse. now. Sword Mouse. Sword Mouse. Reaper Cheap. Reaper oh, Cheap? Fuck yeah. What kind of a fucking name is that? Yeah, I think Sword Mouse a is A nice better. one. Yeah, it's a ni- it, he was Prince Caspian though, so I'll be the peace drobe. <laughs> My name is David James Young. Everything. Lions... Witches, wardrobes, sword mice, the Joker, (laughs) Jerry Lewis. It's good there! Baby wants milky!